0: King of it. The, the Lord told me that it's God's will for you to go to SUCO <laughs> because all of our hearts need to see Clay's buzzed head. Uh, if you were here last week, you know, that's not what we believe. <laughs> hey, welcome to RUF. We are, my name is Sammy. I'm the campus minister. If I've not had the pleasure of meeting you. Uh, we've been going from spring break through next week through a short series on Ecclesiastes, and we've been using Selena Gomez's banger of an album, Rare, to frame our series. And tonight, we're looking at vulnerable, a.k.a. the meaninglessness of work. But invulnerable, here's what Selena so beautifully sings. If I hand you my emotion, would you even want to take it? If I give you all my trust, then would you fumble it and break it? mm mm If I show you all my demons and we dive into the deep end, would we crash and burn like every time before? I would tell you all my secrets, wrap your arms around my weakness. If the only other option is letting go, I'll stay vulnerable. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I'll stay vulnerable. Yeah, ooh, yeah. I'll stay vulnerable. We're in Ecclesiastes, and if you've not gotten this so far, what I love about Ecclesiastes is there is a real vulnerability about the brokenness and hardness and what can feel like the meaninglessness of this world, of this fallen world. And tonight we are looking at Ecclesiastes 2, 17 to 26, but we're thinking thematically about the meaninglessness of work. The meaninglessness of all of the work that we do in this life. So just follow along with me. It's in your handout. Ecclesiastes 2, verses 17 to 26. Uh, just from the gates. Vulnerability. So I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all of the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all that they owned to another who had not toiled for it. This too is meaningless in a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil or work. This too I see is from the hand of God, for without him who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness, but to the sinner he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Let me pray for us, and we're going to dive in to thinking about the meaninglessness of our work. Let's pray first. Our Lord, we thank you for Ecclesiastes. I thank you especially for those of us who may find ourselves in this season exhausted, burned out, a little more cynical than we want or a little more cynical than usual. Uh, We have questions that maybe we're embarrassed or afraid to even let friends uh, know about. I thank you that you meet us in this place. I thank you for the gift of this book where you tell us you, you welcome us in this way. That you are honored when we bring our frustrations and exhaustions and questions to you. So, Lord, would you meet us in that way tonight? And Lord, would you let us see Jesus? Would you let us see his glory and his beauty? Would you let us see the way that he loves sinners like us? Lord, we ask these things in his name. Amen. So we went camping this weekend. Gosh. I think yeah, yeah, some of us did, some of us did. I am an avid indoorsman, so camping is not my favorite uh, activity. And highlight was a little sweet time where like five or six of us read, uh, read some books around this this creek, river, some, somewhere, like something like that. That was wonderful. My low light was the wind was awful. And three two 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 times, maybe three times, I would put all my effort into staking our tent. And I really like my hands are bruised here and here just trying to push we were pushing into gravel and just couldn't quite a, took a rock and just staked it down and then the next thing i would know the wind just blew the tent over and it was time to do it all again and i think that's exactly or it's a little glimpse of what the teacher is trying to tell us about work cuz my work felt pointless it felt meaningless and then there i was doing it pushing rock into the ground only for the wind to take it up again. You know, I think about when Jesus says it's like building a house on the sand instead of upon a rock. That's what camping <laughs> felt like to me this weekend. But what I want to think about is what is the teacher trying to say to us? And I think it's three things that are important for us when we come to think about ourselves and our relationship to work. First, we're going to talk about an honesty that pleases God. Second, we're going to talk about an anxiety that ruins us. And then lastly, we're going to talk about the gift of the beautiful mundane. I'll explain that. So first, we're going to talk about an honesty that pleases God. Second, an anxiety that ruins us. And then third, the gift of the beautiful mundane. So track with me. Let's first start with thinking through an honesty that pleases God. Look at verse 16. I mean, Scripture is wild sometimes. I hated life. (laughs) I hated life. The teacher's honesty is... Refreshing. He isn't pretending to be happy. He isn't pretending to have it all together. He isn't pretending to be joyful in the Lord. He's not putting on a brave face and pretending like nothing is wrong. I think about years ago, there was a student who had gone through. He had had a friend who had tragically died and he'd come over to the house and we were just to, to, to be, you know, to, to be with him, to help him grieve. And he walked through the door with a big smile in the face of his friend's tragic death, with a big smile and just said, God is so good. And I thought, no, that is not the way. D.A. Carson talks about that temptation where we misuse theology, maybe especially around God's sovereignty and suffering. So in your handout, he says it like this. There's a way of using theology and theological arguments that wounds rather than heals. This is not the fault of theology and theological arguments. It is the fault of the miserable comforter, thinking of the book of Job, if you know that book, who fastens on in an inappropriate fragment of truth, or whose timing is off, or whose attitude is condescending, or whose application is insensitive, or whose true theology is couched in such culture laden cliches that they grate rather than comfort. And this is not the way. There's a way of being a Christian where. This is what I think about. You've seen this. If you follow middle class fancy on Instagram, like if you've been to a lake house with the bit with the massive live, laugh, love signs. There's a way of doing Christianity that's like that. Right? That just has no room for sadness. That has no room for tears. That has no room for the crushing parts of life where we can say with Job, Lord, I, I don't, or we can say with Elijah, I'm ready to die. I don't want to be here anymore. And yet Jesus invites our honesty and the teacher is inviting our honesty that we can say those things out loud to him and to one another. I think about Jesus with Nathaniel. If you remember when he, he goes to gather him as a disciple and Nathaniel has his questions about Jesus and he, he says them to his brother he says them to Andrew, I think. But Jesus, when, he, when, when, he, when Nathaniel decides to come follow him, he says about him, it's beautiful, he says, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He was honest. He was honest about what he thought about Jesus and his questions and concerns. The teacher is inviting you and me into a way out of a fake Christianity. When someone asks us how we're doing and that temptation to say... God is good. God is good all the time. Instead of saying, I'm really struggling with the Lord right now. I don't know what he's doing. And he's inviting us, he's teaching us that we can, with careful and wise vulnerability, both search our own hearts in Jesus before him and then share those hearts with one another. He's teaching us that there's an incredible wisdom that pleases God when we are honest about where we really are and about what's weighing on our hearts and minds. There's a Pastor that I love, his name is Joe Novenson. He's a, uh, like a, just an incredible preacher. But he has this acronym that he talks about that we do a lot as Christians when, when we're asked that question, How are we doing? And we can say, I'm doing fine. And he says, When we say fine, here's what we mean Fine, frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and exhausted. And if that's what you mean by fine, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm doing fine. I'm frustrated, often. Insecure. Raise your hand if you're not neurotic. It's Paul in Romans 7. Why do I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I do want to do, exhausted? And the beauty of Ecclesiastes is it's teaching us Jesus welcomes those who are fine. He welcomes sinners like you and me. So first, an honesty that pleases him, but then second, an anxiety that ruins us. Now we're getting to talk a little more about work. Look at verse 22. He says, What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? I don't know. Y'all are too young for Facebook, I think. And I don't know if Facebook still does this. You can tell me after if they do. But like when I first jumped on Facebook, there was a relationship status that you kind of had to put. And I think as I remember, there were four options. It was married, in a relationship, single, and it's complicated. I guess this is what y'all would call a situationship these days, or hanging out, or whatever we want to call it. But I think when it comes to work, it's for It's complicated for us, for all of us in different ways. Uh, For some of us, we overwork because we have to feel productive, because our identity is too tied to our work, because we're running from our problems, and work is a nice escape to keep moving, because we have to be perfect for anyone to love us. And for those of us who struggle in that way, our work defines us in ways that are not good. Our work controls us in ways that are not good. I love the way that Anne Lamott talks about perfectionism, thinking about this. She says, I think, It's on your handout, I think perfectionism is based in the obsessive belief that if you run carefully enough, hitting each stepping stone just right, you won't have to die. The truth is that you will die anyway. And then a lot of people who aren't even looking at their feet are going to do a whole lot better than you and have a whole lot more fun while they're doing it. But for others of us this is more where I come in we underwork. Maybe it's because we're afraid of being a tryhard, being that guy or that girl. Maybe it's because we love our comfort, and work for being honest is not not napping, not binging, because we want the path of least resistance. Or maybe this is a harder one because through no fault of our own, we're anxious or depressed, but scared to admit it because we don't know what to do with it. But what I want you to see is that both approaches, in their own way, are an anxious toiling. One, the first, by letting work define us, therefore control us, so that we have no free time to be with our friends. We have no downtime to just binge a show that we enjoy. We have no time to be human. And on the other side, by avoiding hard work, we give away our potential and we can lose the plot of our purpose. And it's not exactly if we're being honest with ourselves, rewarding or fulfilling. I don't know if y'all watched the women's final four. It was a tough hang, uh, sad loss. Caitlin Clark is the worst. May the Lord keep burning coals on her head. but then she got justice on Sunday. Oh which was amazing. But there was a, a former Tennessee player, so Pat Summit, back in the day was one of the first women's coaches who was just an amazing coach, won a lot of championships at Tennessee. And this former player, I believe, was sharing on Twitter this faxed note from like 2001 that Pat Summit had sent her. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, just kind of 21 little commandments to think about life and work. And there were two that really jumped out at me. And I think this is what the teacher is saying to us. The first was this, the biggest lie on the planet, when I get what I want, I will be happy. When I get what I want, then I will be happy. No, you won't. You won't. Because it won't fulfill you in the ways that you long to be fulfilled. You won't feel known and loved in the ways you long to feel known and loved. It won't give you community in the ways that you were made for. It won't make you feel like even if you crash and burn, people are there, the Lord especially, to love you and to pick you up and to keep, help you keep going. And then the other one is if you don't start, it's certain you won't arrive. This one's for people like me who can get so overwhelmed thinking about all that needs to be done that I can't even get out of bed and start getting into my day. And baby steps is huge to me. And the Lord is there to help us in those baby steps and in those first just to start, to start afresh and to start again. Work by God's design was never meant on the one hand to define us or complete us or control us, or on the other hand we could say this we were made though with purpose and gifts to love god with and to love our neighbors with through the work that he has set before us even the work that feels to point three and this is the last point i want you to see that i want to call from john updike one of my favorite writers the gift of the beautiful mundane because this is if we're going to redeem work. If we're going to have a, a Christian sense of how to work, how to go about what is set before us, whether it's school, whether it's an actual job, whether it's what's set before you in a career. Look at verse 24, the gift of the beautiful mundane. Verse 24, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This is how our work gets shrunk down to the right size. Where. It's a satisfying size, it's a doable size, where it neither defines us nor, uh, and yet it carries this beautiful purpose for us. And this is what I want you to see, is that the Lord loves both what we would call blue-collar work, he got his hands dirty in creation, and what we might call white-collar work, where there is leading and oversight and managing. Uh, Think of the Lord Jesus. Before he was a rabbi, he's a carpenter. And he made tables and chairs and doors with skill and care and joy. And they serve to help families, to help friends, make homes, to gather, to rest. And then he begins his work of ministry. And he's calling disciples to himself. And he's training them. He's training them to lead. He's preaching and teaching and healing. And he's raising folks from the dead. And then, which is the point of all of his work, He sets his face to Jerusalem. We celebrated it just yesterday. In Palm Sunday. And here we begin to see the true purpose. Of all of his life's work. Of all of his work. From the carpentry. To the moment he sets foot in Jerusalem. To make his way to the cross. And the tomb. Uh, Last Monday. A friend that I started off with in. His name is Chad Scruggs. Lost his little girl in the shooting in Nashville, Tennessee. It's been an emotional uh, eight, seven, eight days. And I was on on Facebook. And a friend that uh, he didn't start with us in RUF, but he was in RUF with us. had posted because Chad's church uh, hosted a Palm Sunday service last night that they streamed for everyone to, to join in. Chad leading it in the wake of an unspeakable tragedy that I can't even imagine. And my friend, uh, his name is Chandran Newsom. he's in, I think, Oregon now, but he wrote this beautiful reflection thinking about what I just shared and the fact that it's Palm Sunday. And here's the on your handout if you want to read. He says it like this. He says, often titled, The Triumphal Entry in English Bibles, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna are the preamble to his being overwhelmed, taking our griefs, shame, trauma, violences, and all death on his own head, turning the world's notions of power on their heads. I expect the service to glimmer through the tears with the pain and confusion and mystery and hope of that triumphal. Entry. And can I say to you, any work not done in the name of Jesus like that is in vain. Any work that doesn't have room for tears and pain and suffering and sadness. And what I more want you to see is that we were the point. Of Jesus' work. Our redemption. We sing it in Come Thou Found all the time. He sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. This is what the teacher is showing us. Follow me. In life under the sun, here's what that means there is no God. You have no soul, and there is nothing beyond what you can see. But in God's world, that's not the story. If Jesus really did come and die, and we're about to celebrate his resurrection on Sunday, if that really is true, and this is the point of Ecclesiastes, everything matters. Everything matters. And even those things that feel like, what am I doing? We trust God's presence is there. There is not a single place or time where God isn't with us in all of it. And there's not a single millimeter of this universe that the Lord isn't working to redeem. John Updike said it like this when he was thinking about his work of writing. And this is the work of work of Christians. He said it like this. My only duty was to describe reality as it had come to me and to give the mundane it's beautiful dew. I'll close with this. <clears throat> uh, my oldest, Jane Mack, is about to go to college. And I'm in my office. I, I just set up an office at Christ's Covenant, which is where we go to church. And as I was unpacking uh, some boxes that I just hadn't touched in a while, uh, I found these. Um, I found these uh, cards that she had made. Uh, when she was like f- probably five. Sorry, y'all. I'm gonna mess mess tonight. And uh, the one card in particular just said, uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny, it just said, dad, 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 dad. And then uh, and, uh, as I opened it, it was a, I'm a Clemson fan, sorry. Uh, it was a tiger paw, I know, that's to my shame. I love the cocks too, but uh, a tiger paw And it said, Love Jane Mack. And here's my point Should it hang in the Louvre? (laughs) It hangs in my Louvre. (laughs) Why? Because of its aim. Its aim was to please me. This is the hope of all of our work that its aim would be to please our Father. And if that is its aim, then it is good. Let's pray together. Lord, I I thank you for the ways that you meet us in our disillusionment and cynicism and pain and suffering and tears. You love us. You see us. Lord, I pray for those of us who that's just not been our experience of Christianity. Lord, would you help us to untangle maybe a An idolatrous Christianity and off Christianity with, with you, the risen Jesus, who is also the suffering servant and savior who knows and sees our tears and pain. Would you meet us? Would you show us your true self by your spirit that we might love you and know your love for us and follow you and worship you? We need that. We can't do it ourselves. And we need your work in us in that way. And Lord, I pray as we get to the hard part of the semester, we have... Just things that we don't want to do, we all have them. Lord, would you, mind, would you remind us of your presence with us? Would you give us strength and courage that we need? Would you help us in wisdom to know how to order our days? And would you give us friends along the way just to walk with us in all of it? We need it. We thank you that you're with us in it, that you were for us always. Or would you let us rest in that even if just for a moment tonight? We pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. Please stand and sing with us.